I'm Dan Carell, CEO of the Digital Commerce Alliance, and this is Commerce Code, a weekly digital commerce podcast for leaders in card linking, loyalty and digital marketing, mobile wallets and payments, and financial data. Thanks for joining this running conversation with leaders in the industry. And if this podcast is helpful to you, come join us at the Digital Commerce Alliance. You can learn more at www.digcomall.org. This week, Dan is talking with Ed Wogan and Manny Cathedral from Value Dynamics, and they will be pre-gaming the 2022 holiday shopping season. They'll talk trade shows, holiday promotions, BNPL, and more. But before we get to that interview, we'll dig into a few of the big recent stories in digital commerce. First, are online and offline commerce rapidly merging together as the pandemic wanes? Second, an artificial intelligence bill of rights To be clear, the rights are for the humans, not the machines, at least so far. Finally, consumer confidence. Why so sad? Inflation is high, but that doesn't fully explain the weakness of consumer sentiment. Some economists offer a surprising answer. All that's ahead. But first, a word from our sponsor, Vantage Score. Commerce Code is brought to you in part by Vantage Score. Nine of the top 10 banks and over 3,000 leading banks and fintechs use Vantage Score to predict and manage repayment risk. Learn more about the latest advances in credit scoring and how to grow your lending business by leveraging financial inclusion at VantageScore.com. Amazon recently announced its annual seasonal hiring spree. Before the holidays start, the online behemoth plans to hire 150,000 seasonal workers to staff its 160 million square feet of warehouse space. To put that into context, Amazon's total employee population is 1.6 million, so its intended seasonal hiring will increase staff numbers by around 9%. Another reference point is Walmart, of course, which has about 2.3 million associates worldwide. These two bold bracket organizations, one native online, the other native in bricks and mortar, and both generally evolving in the direction of the other, brings to mind some of the conversations we've been having lately with executives in the Digital Commerce Alliance. From the start, DCA was founded on the idea that the online-offline relationship was the future of retail, and we still see plenty of evidence to support this. The pandemic gave digital commerce a boost as consumers steered clear of brick-and-mortar shopping to avoid contact with others. But recent research by Koros reveals 67% of consumers believe the best shopping experiences now incorporate both humans and digital channels. 57% want the option to talk to someone before making a decision to buy. This points to the post-pandemic reality. Hybrid shopping is the new normal, with 44% of consumers indicating they research a product online before going to a physical location, and vice versa, according to Bloomreach. Websites are currently the fastest-growing channel driving engagement and sales, optimized for consumers with human representatives and AI support standing by. The conversations we're having with DCA executives about the merging of online and offline retail reflects just how hard it is to transition large organizations in such a fundamental way. So, how should companies attract consumers who say they want both the online and offline buying experience? What's more important to these people? Do they really want to talk to someone before making a buying decision? And if so, should we staff for that? If we're providing that experience in the online channel, 
do we still need a bricks and mortar presence? And what is it that makes online consultations go well? Especially given how hard it is to hire people these days. How important is human interaction to purchase decisions? What about a chatbot or some other sort of AI-enhanced way of answering questions? Mention of artificial intelligence brings up another of our big stories, the AI Bill of Rights. In recent years, governments have been picking up steam in passing legislation and making rules governing how artificial intelligence operates in our world. According to the Brookings Institute, over 60 countries have passed AI laws, generally with the intent of protecting the privacy of humans and preventing abuses of the AI technology. For example, Since AI platforms largely mimic human behavior, they are now well known to replicate and sometimes amplify humans' undesirable behaviors. And it turns out we've got a lot of undesirable behaviors. So while AI technologies can do amazing and productive things, they can also engage in racial or gender bias, for example, in ways that are sometimes totally obvious and sometimes quite hard to detect. So. No surprise that the White House's Office of Science and Technology Policy released its blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights on October 4th. Curious what's in it? There are five main principles, and at the headline level, they are pretty easy to understand. Here goes. Number one, you should be protected from unsafe or ineffective systems. Number two, you should not face discrimination by algorithms and systems should be used and designed in an equitable way. Number three, you should be protected from abusive data practices via built-in protections and you should have agency over how data about you is used. Number four, you should know that an automated system is being used and understand how and why it contributes to outcomes that impact you. Number five, you should be able to opt out where appropriate and have access to a person who can quickly consider and remedy problems you encounter. Of course, these are just the headlines. The White House's release is about 2,000 words and will take 10 minutes to read, but it's in pretty plain English. So if this all sounds interesting, just Google AI Bill of Rights and it will come up. The challenges for businesses are easy to see, starting with the natural ambiguity of most of the five principles. Even if the Bill of Rights is heavily revised, any version of these principles in regulatory form will keep business and tech leaders guessing about what's allowed. And, of course, they will keep many lawyers busy for a very long time. Up next, Dan's talking with Ed Wogan and Manny Cathedral of Value Dynamics, and they are going to pregame the November and December spending bonanza we like to call the holidays. Value Dynamics provides data-driven purchase reward solutions to leading retailers, travel, and financial services companies worldwide. Ed is the chief merchant officer at Value Dynamics, and Manny is vice president of new business development. Ed and Manny, thank you so much for joining us again on Commerce Code. Pleasure to have you here again, Ed, from some previous appearances. And then Manny, welcome to the show for the first time. Where are the two of you joining us from? Yeah, good morning, Dan. It's, it's great to be here again. I am joining you this morning from historic downtown Boston. Good morning, Dan. Well, I am joining you from 
supposed to be sunny Florida, but we're not that sunny today. Well, look, um, before we get to the holiday season, I'm going to just dive right in with our conversation. And I hear that you were at Grocery Shop last week and just wanted to know, first of all, how was it to be at a trade show again? And what kind of themes were you picking up that you think might be helpful to share with the audience? It was really great to be back interacting with people in person. But frankly, it was a little bit overwhelming as there was just so much to see and to hear. There were great insights from key retail leadership, and there were leading consumer packaged goods companies present as well, as well as industry service providers. And the recurring theme there and the focus of the workshops and the talk tracks was certainly relevant to the DCA in that it was about personalization and analytics and digital engagement and retail media networks. Innovation was a key topic as well. Under innovation, the concept around new ways to engage the consumer and to create a really compelling and attributable consumer experience included things like retailers blogging about product usage and metaverse engagement and digital marketing. So certainly the value of merchant-funded rewards and our value dynamic solution is a component of that performance marketing mix. And it felt like it further validated, you know, what we're doing here and the value we bring to our partners as well. And that's really interesting stuff. The NFTs are interesting. I think you've touched on a lot of the themes that we expect to be looking at in you know, future commerce code and webinars and uh, live meetings that we've got coming up in December in the next year or so. Um, thanks for that. A quick review, because I think that kind of validates as well where we think some things are headed. And Manny, I'd love to turn to you. I would love to hear kind of what you're seeing on the program side. There's been a loyalty shakeup. And it will continue. Consumers report switching to different brands and retailers in 2022 more than even before. And they intend to continue doing that. There are reasons, you know, one, definitely inflation at possible record high. More people are looking for value rather than following a brand. So it needs to resonate with them. Those are their key motivators to switching. Prices are higher. Grocery and gasoline are the categories where definitely prices because it's everyday spend. Consumers continue to switch brands. And one interesting thing is that they are opting for private label products. So on the program side, those are adjustments and those trends need to continue. Consumers are letting the retailers and groceries and, and businesses in general know what is it that they want to do and programs will continue to adapt as part of this loyalty shakeup. Okay, so the the ascendancy of price in the consumer's mind and impact on how they think about brand. You know, Ed, if we if we think about merchant behavior and Manny's kind of opened this door, if we think about merchant behavior in the holiday season and then thinking about their appetite for promotions, what kind of early observations or expectations do you have around Q4 performance? As the probability of recession increases, so does consumer behavior change. National Retail Federation sort of recently called out in a study about holiday and Q4 that the consumer is expected to be even more value-seeking than ever this year. And our expectation here at Value Dynamics is that they will shop early and they will shop often. In fact, Amazon just announced that they're offering two days of early access for 
prime members on October 11th and 12th, which should trigger a response from other key merchants. So that translates into an increased focus on promotional events like Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And then that continues to solidify the importance of omnichannel promotional activity which is essentially meeting the consumer on their terms. So we are definitely seeing an uptick in merchant participation in our solution and platform for holiday and for Q4. So that's the merchant view, or at least a view on kind of the merchant environment, as that's really helpful. And, and Manny, for your part, I wonder how financial institutions, payment card networks are thinking about this holiday selling season and, you know, are there kind of trends or innovations on the horizon that you expect or that you're starting to see? And I'm also, I have to ask how BNPL or buy now, pay later is, is maybe shaping up in your view. So issuers have transformed their rewards programs in response to changes in consumer spending behavior and reward redemption of behaviors and preferences. Shorter duration promotions increase. It's just, again, part of the concern surrounding longer-term impact on the economy. In recent years, the market and reach of certain point-of-sale lending products, widely referred as buy now, pay later, have grown significantly. And we could say that they could compete with credit and debit cards, both online and at the physical point-of-sale. Some of the retailers are partnering with financial companies, financial institutions, to offer the buy now, pay later at digital point of sale. And that's how they, you know, the ecosystem continues to evolve and consumers see new benefits and new opportunities to either use their loyalty programs combined with their financial institution value proposition and the ease of buy now, pay later capabilities. Lots of changes, a lot of evolution with this convergence of consumer behavior change, economic impact, and, and technology. That's interesting about the NPL, and I find it you know, obviously a marketplace that everyone's going to want to continue to watch. So, Ed, if relative to merchants anticipating a lot, of, a lot of promotional activity to get consumers to sort of open their wallets, what other factors do merchants anticipate impacting that sort of key Q4 selling season? You know, there's a supply chain hangover situation. Is that going to impact promotional activity? Is there going to be a stronger level of digital versus in-store? There's also the question of omni-channel and blurring those online and in-person lines. What do you make of all of those trends? Blurring of the lines is definitely the new world order and omni-channel engagement is key and will remain so. The Nielsen IQ released a study recently that talked a bit about global retail media expenditure, and it's actually projected to expand to $75.1 billion this year in 2022, which is an 80% increase over prior year in 2021. So merchants are willing to investment spend to attract and retain customers. And as you know, Dan, we support many strategic partnerships in the fintech and banking channel space, and we work closely with payment card networks where we share merchant promotional content and data. So the table is set for big investment on the sell side of the equation. However, on the buy side or the procurement side of the supply chain, we are hearing from merchants and suppliers that access to raw materials is still impacting the manufacturing and product availability space. And that means some merchants may be more reticent to promote categories or products that consumers traditionally want to purchase for the holidays 
based solely on access to inventory to align with their promotional sell-through. It's a puzzling time and something that I think most people haven't experienced this kind of thing before. I was in a car dealership recently and just wondering, you know, how do you think about that problem when you essentially have a lot of eager salespeople and not a whole lot of product? Um, <laughs> this is not an experience that most of us have uh, had to manage through. And so, Manny, coming back to you, you know, I wonder what you think about consumers' appetite for sort of currency and, and value exchange. So will this be a, a season that's sort of dominated by purchases that are made on debit or credit cards with pay with points or other applications expand Do you expect to see that and then crypto there's the the history and the trend and and do you expect crypto to become more of an accepted medium going forward some issuers and banks and companies in general may have realized that they have not been acquiring the right type of customer that will drive value and be loyal to their brands in the long term. Historically, business to consumer acquisition has been very transactional. So what consumers realize is, you know, we can play the game. They start, they open, use the points, close the account and move forward. So there's a need now for more of a value exchange than before. And this is where crypto becomes a little bit more relevant, a lot more relevant, actually, particularly in the younger stage. It continues to gain momentum and it will continue to gain momentum. But issuers and networks are being very cautious about scaling such offerings due to regulatory elements in that atmosphere surrounding them. We will definitely see more structured programs in the mid to long term range, again, aimed at the younger sector. That's fascinating. And the loyalty is such a challenge with the ease of switching and the ease of of movement for consumers. And so there's that special something in programs that really work and still searching for it. Very interesting to hear your comments on crypto and where that may fit in, Manny. Ed, Value Dynamics, of course, has the Purchase Rewards platform, and that sort of you're powering that for NCR's financial institution partners. And in that, you're including travel, community content element. And so I'm wondering what holiday travel expenditures are kind of expected to look like in your view and then what about local businesses expectations to capture some of that consumer wallet now the reality is that travel is back that is seen by the sheer volume of travelers who are out and about both in the vacation traveler and on the business traveler front we're seeing big increases There is a travel agency analysis company called Hopper, and they're seeing strong booking demand for holiday travel after what they describe as an extraordinary summer. And you add to that the dynamics that airlines are in recovery mode, right? So they're working hard to hire staff and reduce and consolidate flights to drive efficiency. And this is probably going to result in higher fares. So advice to everyone is book early. Regarding local merchants and holiday, and we see a lot of focus on buy local, spend local, which was a creative campaign that was launched in 2020 and as a program that was designed to elevate financial institutions as a supporter of the businesses in their community. So the upside they can realize is a potential increase of more than 40% in transaction volume, the ability to attract new members, and the opportunity to strengthen community relationship which is at the cornerstone of what they do. We're excited about the positive contribution that our purchase reward platform can deliver on many fronts to NCR as a partner, to their financial institutions, to our merchants, and at the center of it all, to the consumer. 
That's tremendous. Manny, I want to turn to you and maybe close with a bigger picture question here, which is just overall consumer expenditure around the holidays this year. What are you thinking? Is it going to be bigger? COVID's behind us-ish and consumers are certainly back to brick and mortar. We're back to pretty normal behavior. On the other hand, we've got inflation. We have arguably lower disposable income. What does your, uh, your spidey sense tell you on spending? Innovation definitely continues to reshape the U.S. market with large and small financial institutions and businesses in general. Mainstream technology companies have entered or are in the process of entering the market with competing products, features, methods for issuing credit cards, new platforms to facilitate certain things. So that evolution will continue. We continue to say omnichannel, but omnichannel shopping in, you know, in this holiday season is becoming the norm. 75% of U.S. consumers say they're researching and buying both in-store and online. Another important thing is that 45% of consumers say social media is influencing their purchases. And that's one thing that we are going to see even more and more during the holiday season and during you know motivating that spend. Consumers will continue to spend, but will trade down more than they did in 2021. And another interesting piece of information is the likelihood that consumers will shift more of their spending to channels providing better value. That's probably how I will close. As I said at the beginning, loyalty to brand is less relevant. They're looking for value and they're looking for something that resonates with their lifestyle, their financial situation at this point, and the current economic situation of the country. So it's, it's, it's all about value. Thanks a bunch, gentlemen, for joining us today. Really pleasure. We look forward to talking to you again. Thank you for having us, Dan. Coming right up, consumer confidence. Why so sad? Given the holiday shopping conversation today with Ed and Manny, we thought we'd close with some recent reporting from The Economist on consumer confidence. In 2021, global consumer confidence was pretty strong. In fact, for much of the year, it was above the long-term average. But 2022 has been much different in spite of continued low unemployment. By some measures, consumer confidence is even lower now than it was during the global financial crisis of 2007 to 2009. Inflation is the reason, of course. But the interesting fact is that inflation apparently doesn't fully account for just how bad consumer sentiment is. Models correlating inflation levels with consumer confidence shows that consumer sentiment is about a third worse than even this very high rate of inflation would imply. The Economist goes on to offer three suggested reasons, each of which is interesting in its own right. First, many of us expected 2022 to be pretty great compared to 2021, but it's merely okay. So maybe we're just disappointed. Second, we might just be disappointed that there's no more free money. Governments doled out trillions in stimulus money in 2020 and 2021, and there's no free money in 2022, just inflation, and maybe the realization that the money wasn't really free. And of course, when people get something for a while, they tend to reset their expectations to include it. This is an aspect of the endowment effect. We really don't like to lose things that we regard as ours, and a small flow of money from the government had, for some consumers, started to feel like an entitlement. 
The third possible reason for low consumer confidence is probably the most interesting one. Ania Yaroshevich, a researcher at Harvard, has presented some evidence when people are given small handouts of a few thousand dollars. As millions of consumers got into the pandemic, they actually became less happy on average. The money isn't big enough to be life-changing. And when it goes away, it reinforces what the recipient still can't afford on her normal income. All that said, unemployment is still at historic lows and consumers still continue to spend. As we get to mid-October, it's time for leaders in digital commerce to place their bets on the shape of that spending through the end of the year. Commerce Code is a weekly podcast bringing you conversations with executives who are leading the way in digital commerce. If you like Commerce Code, your company should join the Digital Commerce Alliance and become part of our mission of advancing trade for good through standard setting, industry networking, conferences, and best practices. Check out our website at www.digcomall.org. On behalf of DCA, have a great week.